support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. This is Radio Without Rules. Well, sort of. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. Everybody, it is a Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I, I'm your host, Logan Blackman, here on this. <clears throat> uh, do you want to call it chilly? I mean, it's not terribly cold. I mean, it's 16 degrees, but it, to me, it was a little bit warmer than that. When I was walking to class, I did feel a little bit warmer, but I was also a little cold because I like. Ten minutes before I left my house, I just got out of the shower. So my hair was a little icy, but not as bad as it was last week. I, I. So for those of you who haven't seen me in a fat minute, and you're just all you've been knowing about me is my beautiful voice here on this beautiful station, you would know that, or you wouldn't know that I had a the the makings of a beard. I don't want to say it was a beard. There was facial hair, to say the least. So, back in um, December, my roommates, at least two of my roommates and myself said, or at least the two roommates, okay, let's start off with the beginning. So, one of my roommates has a beard, an excellent beard. It's a fantastic beard. He's had it for, I don't know, the last, jeez, oh it's been a while, it's probably since we've been in college, and two of them, so I live with three people, and two of them don't like to grow beards. One of them just doesn't like the feeling of it. He gets all weird when he gets to a certain length. He's like my dad. My dad's the same way. He's like, oh, I just feel weird when my, my beard's longer. If I have hair that goes longer, it just makes me feel weird. He's the same way as that. And my other roommate, he just doesn't like the color of his beard because he has a red beard. His hair's not red, but his beard comes in red. So he didn't like that. So the pair of them said, let's grow out our beards together. And then Andrew, the one who doesn't really like to grow his beard out because it makes it feel weird, said, Logan, you have to do it too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, sweet, yeah, I'll totally, I'm totally down for that. But the difference between me, Andrew, and Tim is that Andrew and Tim can actually grow beards. They just didn't want to grow one. I wish I could grow a beard, but I can't grow one. There's the big difference in all of this situation. I have two big old patches on the right side of my face and only like the goatee area really comes in nicely. So I get like, I have no patches underneath my chin like most people. It's all on the sides of my face. But I can grow a mean mustache. But, so back to the original point. Last week when it was freezing cold, I just left the shower and basically sprinted out of the house. I had icicles forming on my facial hair, which I never had happened before. It felt weird. And it kind of hurt when I picked it out, but now I'm clean sha- or clean shaven, kind of. I got a little stubble now, but it felt weird. And I don't think that today, I mean, it could today, I guess, but probably not. Unless you come out soaking wet, I don't think you'll freeze any facial hair you've got on your body. So right now it's 16, is it facial hair you've got on your butt? Whatever. 16 degrees right now in Cedar Falls, Iowa. There's a 10% chance of snow. 
Uh, winds coming out of the north northwest at five miles an hour. Feels like seven degrees, and the air quality is good, which is what we love to see. And it's going to be sunny. It's cloudy today, mostly cloudy today. But the next three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it's going to be sunny. And so today, as I said, 16 degrees. Thursday, tomorrow, 14. Then we go shoot straight up to 37 on Friday, and then 42 on Saturday. And then we're back to freaking snow on Monday. We can't just have nice weather for a few more days, can we? No, 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 no. It's got to be miserable out there for you. Because you know we're in Iowa. We get great weather all the time anyways. It's not like we're used to this garbage and don't want anything different every once in a while. Man. Tough life we live here in Iowa. Not really. It's pretty nice. I love Iowa. I love the weather, but sometimes it can get taxing, especially when the friggin' groundhog says, we're going to have an early spring. And we get that little taste of spring every once in a while, like Saturday. Gets above 40 degrees, and the next day, Mother Nature craps on us and goes, yeah, here's two inches of snow and minus 13 degree temperature with a minus 50 wind chill. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. That's the worst thing about Iowa, I would say, is the wind chill. That stuff's, whoo, that stuff's bad. It's not really the temperatures here, it's the wind chill. It makes everything miserable. I've lived in Iowa my entire life. I'm assuming that most of you people that are listening to the show are either from Iowa or have lived in Iowa at some point or have relatives that lived in Iowa at some point. At least that's what I'm assuming. Now, if you're listening in, like, Bama or something or, I don't know, somewhere else in the United States or the world, I don't know, then you might not. But I'm assuming most people have lived in Iowa at some point in their life or have been to Iowa. So they understand what I am talking about. And when you live in Iowa, you have certain things that you are attached to. Like with Iowa, it's a lot of corn jokes, a lot of farming stuff, soybeans, pork, ethanol. Like all that stuff is what we are tied to here as Iowans. There's also another thing that we are tied to quite a bit. Came really big with the Iowa State fans a few years ago. With the, when they went to the Alamo Bowl, they sold out of this product at the Alamo Bowl like that. Super fast. Iowa fans, I think every Iowan at some point has had this product. And there was a news story that came out about, I don't know, 15 minutes ago or something like that. And that wasn't really a news story. It was more like an update. That Bush Light, which I'm guessing a lot of you assumed I was talking about Bush Light, because you're, if you're an Iowan, you know Bush Light. I mean, that's what... Bit. Like, the Iowa Chill account on Twitter basically is all Bush Light. Bush Latte. Bush Light is water to Iowans. Like, it's just... It's just what we connect... Iowans are very big into Bush Light, corn, pork, and ethanol. <laughs> and good sports teams, especially this year. But yeah. Corn, pigs, ethanol, sports, and beer that's what the five things that would describe iowa for those of you who don't know what iowa is but here's a story from vanessa miller she tweeted this out what 40 40 minutes ago about 40 minutes ago and she said five months after carson king if you don't remember carson king he was the kid that held the sign at college game day for the iowa state game 
to put his Venmo account out there, people start pushing money towards him. College kids dream, getting random people to Venmo you money for beer. That's just the typical college kids dream. But Carson King did something better. He decided, I'm going to donate this to the Stead Family Children's Hospital up in Iowa City. And as Kirk Ferentz said, he's the only one, only Cyclone fan ever, or only person to wear Cardinal and gold and get cheered at an Iowa game. The only time that's ever happened in the history of Iowa sports was when Carson King rocked up on the sidelines of the Iowa game. Can't remember who they were playing at the time. But had an Iowa State sweatshirt on an Iowa State hat. Only person ever. I love that Kirk Ferentz said that because it's true. (laughs) No Iowa State people get cheered at Iowa. But Carson King, there's a little backstory on that. Bush donation is still yet to be fulfilled. Bush has not donated anything. We have not received their donation, but we are working with them. Five months later, and they still haven't donated the money. Bush, come on. You, you already had Iowans up in arms anyways when you threatened to just drop him altogether with the whole Des Moines Register scandal. You already had Iowans mad at you one time. Don't make Iowans get mad at you again because you are a vast – your sales – are vastly centralized in the Iowa region. (laughs) The St. Louis, Missouri, Iowa, that is where Bush has most of their sale. I bet 90% of their sales are in those two states. I mean, I guess you got Natty Light in Missouri. I would say most of their sales are to Iowans. Bush Light. I think a lot of people can agree with me on that. But now you want to tempt Iowa again and not donate? You've already tempted... you, You... Do not, what is it, don't bite at the hand that feeds. We are feeding you a lot of money, Bushlight. And you got to do this. Otherwise, Iowans are out again. As Keith Murphy said, you don't want more heat, Bush beer. Get that checkbook out. Exactly. Bush, you don't want the smoke. You don't want it, Bush. You're going to lose a lot of money from this. It's kind of crazy that this hasn't happened yet. I kind of forgot about the whole situation. That's, I completely forgot about it. I thought everything was smooth. It got really big. It was a really awesome thing that Carson King was doing. And then the whole DSM register thing came out. And then everyone was boycotting the register. Ragbri, some people with Ragbri cut off ties with Ragbri and went, um, the ride across Iowa or something like that. I can't remember what that was called. But then they said, sorry, fired the dude, and everything looked to be normal. And we haven't heard any no, anything really ever since that, I would say. It's been all smooth sailing, or at least we thought, and now we are getting this update that Bush has not lived up to their end of the bargain. So hopefully they get all of that sorted out, because if they don't, You've already seen what happens one time when Iowans get mad. You lost, you didn't gain a lot of profit there. At least I would assume. From everybody on Twitter, it seems like everybody dropped Bush Light for at least a month. But again, like Iowa Chill always says on Twitter, Bush Light is water to Iowans. So it was, <laughs> Iowans need water to survive, as most people. But yeah, it's a sticky situation, and I thought it was done. I thought we would all move on past this. Everything worked out beautifully, but no. We Sadly, 
we have to bring up more negative stuff about such a really good thing that happened here in the state of Iowa. Connected a lot of, brought a lot of Iowans together. Iowa State, Iowa people came together and supported this good cause. Got cut, got money everywhere. Got endorsements, uh, positive feedback from the coaches from all the different universities in the state of Iowa. And now we are back to a negative talking point here. And it's annoying. It's it's annoying. But hopefully that all gets sorted out. Um, again, thank you to Carson King for doing that great deed that you did back in September. Jeez, it's been <laughs> that was back in September. How crazy is that to think about? We were sitting here February 19th. That time doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it does at the exact same time. It's it's just weird. It's a very weird, uh, I don't know. Get it sorted out, Bush. And, yeah, hopefully we have no more negative talks. Hopefully they get everything sorted out. And we can we can update you on that next time this happens. So look out for that stuff because – we talk. We love to talk about positivity, unless it regards the Houston Astros. <laughs> but we will not. We are not going to talk a lot about the Houston Astros today. We got a lot of college basketball stuff to talk about. Uh, got some NFL news to talk about as well. Some uh, Derek Carr possibly getting traded. Three quarterbacks going in the top five. News has come out, which we kind of figured, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in depthly. Uh, then we got some baseball stuff, but not just about the Astros. We got some Cubs stuff in there as per usual. Uh, but yeah, we got a lot of college basketball stuff to talk about. So let's dive right in to our first talking points with college basketball. And that is going to revolve the UNI Panthers as we are on the beautiful campus of the University of Northern Iowa. UNI Panthers men's basketball team plays Indiana State. Tomorrow night at 6, the game will be aired on ESPN+. Plus. Reminder, you can listen to the game live on News Talk 1540 KXEL with the sports guy Gary Rama. Again, the game is tomorrow at 6 from Terre Haute, Indiana. The women's team also play at home tomorrow night, but we'll talk about that one in a little bit. Last time these two teams played, you and I won 68-60 at the McLeod Center. Trey Burhow led the team in scoring with 16. A.J. Green had 15 points. In the game over the Sycamores, Indiana State, Austin Fife again, Mr. Double-Double, posted a double-double, 13 points, 12 assists, or 12 rebounds in the game, had two assists in the game with a block in there. Isaiah Brown had six points, and Taiwan Pickford had six points as well with three assists and three rebounds. So, yeah, saying Taiwan Pickford up in there, that means you can, you can probably tell Spencer Haldeman did not play in this game. This was right after... His ankle injury, which he suffered against Illinois State, which was two games previous to this one. This time they have Haldeman. Haldeman played very well against Loyola in the loss against the Ramblers of Loyola. Uh, scored 16 points, 6 of 13 shooting, 4 of 8 from 3. Also had 5 rebounds and 3 assists in the game. So I would expect you and I to, with Haldeman back in the starting lineup, should be an easier game because that was a testing game for the UNI Panthers. Yes, they led both quarters. They won both quarters if you want to look at it like that. But Indiana State tested them. They they tested the Panthers a lot in this game. And uh, for Indiana State, Tyreek Key had 14 points in the game. Jake LaRavia had 12 points and 6 rebounds in the game. Jordan Barnes, their talented point guard, only had 7 points in the game and also 4 turnovers. Christian Williams, former Iowa Hawkeye, had 10 points and one assist and one rebound in 
the game. So, yeah, I would expect you and I to come away with another victory here. It is going to be tough, though. It is going to be a, a tough matchup for the UNI Panthers. Indiana State has only lost once at home all season. And that was last game they played, which was against Missouri State. So they have been a very talented team at home this year. But Missouri State just had their number in that one. Missouri State beat them 71-58 to in this game in Terre Haute, Indiana. Tulio De Silva led the team, the starters in scoring, I should say, for Missouri State with 11. And Lamont West had 22 points and 9 rebounds in the game for the Missouri State Bears. For Indiana State, Christian Williams is in the starting lineup, was in the starting lineup for this game. 15 points was the leading scorer for the Sycamores. Jordan Barnes, 14 points. And Tyreek Key, the leading scorer for Indiana State this year, averaging 16 points a game, only had three points in this game for the Sycamores. That is not an ideal situation for the Sycamores of Indiana State. They need him to be on point because you're not going to win a lot of games if he's not scoring. It's very imperative to the success of the team that your leading scorer, you know, scores points. It's like the main point of the leading scorer is to, you know, score points. But it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one for you and I. The Sycamores, as we said, lost to Missouri State in their last one, 10-1 and one at home, but they have lost their last three, and they're very streaky teams. When they've had a loss, they've had one following it. When they've had a win, they've had one following it. They've never been that, like, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss type thing. They had three losses in a row. They won four in a row before that, beating likes of Bradley Drake in Loyola and Missouri State at Missouri State. Bradley Drake and Loyola are all top-tier Valley teams, and same with Missouri State as well, all top-tier Valley teams, but then... Lost to Illinois State at home, which was a little bit of an upset there. Illinois State only has three conference wins on the season. Lost to Bradley and then lost to Missouri State, which is it's a tough one there. It's it's a tough game. It's a tough game against Missouri State. They had a lot of expectations going into this season. Uh, were the preseason favorite to win the Valley. As that's, we've talked about that quite a bit here on the Logan Blackman Show about how Missouri State were wrongfully crowned kings of the Missouri Valley before the season started by some in the media. Not by us. We have been on the camp that you and I is the best team in the Missouri Valley, returned about 90% of their roster, about 95% of their roster. Lost only one real contributor to the team, Wyatt Lowhouse. Lost another player as well, but was hurt most of the season last year. Went to the Missouri Valley Conference Championship game, did lose to Bradley. So we were kind of surprised by that, but... Indiana State, though they lost to Missouri State, again, one loss at home all season. One loss at home. This is going to be a tough one for you and I. You and I lost to Loyola in their last game, 73-82. Tough game for you and I, as we've said. We talked about this on Monday. AJ Green with a clutch shot to force overtime. But it didn't really matter as you and I only scored two points in the overtime period, those two points coming from A.J. Green, who went one for six in overtime. A.J. struggled in this game. It was fair to say he struggled in this game. Uh, 19 points, yes, but on 23 shots, only making eight of them. Didn't attempt a free throw in this game. You and I only attempted two free throws in the game. That's not a that's not a very good recipe for winning. Good effort by Loyola for not fouling them as much. 
while Loyola can, they shot 17 free throws in the game. You and I, again, 16 assists, 16 turnovers, not ideal to Loyola's 16 assists and seven turnovers. AJ had seven of those 16 turnovers in the game. So they're going to need him to step up in this game. I fully expect him to step up. He didn't have a great game against Indiana State the last time the two played. Went 5 of 12 from the field. Uh, had only 15 points, which only 15 points is how is saying how good A.J. Green has been this season for the UNI Panthers. 15 points is only 15 points. But yeah, I fully expect him to bounce back in this game. It'll be a fun one. It will be a fun one. I do fully expect you and I to come away victorious at Indiana State, but I cannot stress enough how tough this game will be. Again, it'll be at 6 p.m. tomorrow night on ESPN Plus or live on News Talk 1540 KXL. This is you and I's second to last road game of the season. We're playing Drake on the 29th, which will be on ESPN 2. So that'll be a very fun one to watch. February 29th is a Saturday. Once every four years. So this game doesn't happen if it was last year. Ooh, craziness. But you and I has two more home games the rest of the season. Southern Illinois is Senior Day, which is this Sunday, and Evansville to play on Wednesday. And we talked to you and I Athletic Director David Harris yesterday on On Press Row, which you can catch every day of the work week from 4 to 6, live on News Talk 1540 KXEL. And we interviewed David Harris, and I asked him, why is there was there a reason why you and I's second to last home game is senior day and not the last one? And I asked him, I was like, is it because it works well with parents' schedule? You get more parents to come up for that day? He goes, yeah. Essentially, that's what it was for. The second to last home game of the year on a Sunday. So that way parents don't have to go into work. They can come in, walk their students out, walk their kids out. Just works well for everybody. It's harder to get people to drive up from wherever they're from because there's only two people on the team from Cedar Falls. So it's going to be a, a little bit of a drive for most people. And most people don't want to drive two hours up or wherever they're coming from. I'm just, I'm just speaking from a Des Moines aspect on a Wednesday night and then drive back home that night and then go to work at 8 or 9 in the morning. So it makes sense why they would do this, which is I assumed that's what they were doing, but it just it's just weird to see two home games left in the season, the second to last game being senior day. And for this game... They are honoring former UNI Panther Xavier Williams, who was on the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl winning team. Xavier played for the UNI Panthers as a defensive tackle, went to the NFL. Now on the Chiefs, has a Super Bowl ring. They'll be honoring him. Very close to a sellout from what I've been hearing about this game for Southern Illinois. Again, at 1 p.m. on Sunday. The game will be on ESPNU. So it'll be a nationally televised game if you want to catch that on ESPNU if you don't go to the game. Should be a fun one. You and I did lose to Southern Illinois the last time they played at Southern Illinois, 68-66. to We'll talk about that game more on Friday since we'll have a well, recap Indiana State's game Friday as well, preview the Southern Illinois game. But, yeah, look towards Indiana State first. Do not overlook them. We can't really overlook them because they're 10-1 at home. You and I are now the only team in MVC play to be undefeated at home. That's saying something. You and I at home this year, dominating. 14-0, 7-3 on the road, 8-4 if you count neutral court games. See how you and I does in this one. It'll be, it'll be an interesting one. It'll be a closer game than what 
on paper, you would expect you and I to blow them out of the water. 22-4 and four versus an 11-14-11 and 11 team. Easy win for the UNI Panthers. But home, field, home court advantage in Missouri Valley has been key this year, much like a lot of conferences this year in college basketball. Look at the Big Ten. I think there's one team without with a winning record on the road this year. Same with the Missouri Valley with UNI, and I think it's Penn State in the Big Ten. So, yeah, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. I do expect you and I to come out victorious in this game, but it's not overlooking Indiana State. And the women's team, they're at home tomorrow night, so you and I men's team will be on the road. The women's team will be at home. Game tomorrow night will be at 6.30 p.m. at the McLeod Center. If you don't go to the game and catch on ESPN+, Plus, it'll be a whiteout. So if you do end up going to the game, make sure you rock your white UNI apparel. Should be a fun one. Should be a fun one. The UNI Panthers did lose to Illinois State the last time they played. And it's a similar situation this week that they had the last time they played Illinois State. They played Bradley and then Illinois State. This time they're playing Illinois State, then Bradley. Lost to both those teams the last time they played them. Lost to Illinois State 65-257 in normal Illinois. The UNI Panthers' leading score was Bree Gunnels, who had 15 points and 9 rebounds. Carly Rucker, 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists. And then Cynthia Wolf off the bench, 11 points, 5 rebounds, and one block in the game. One of four blocks for the UNI Panthers in this one for Illinois State, Lexi Wallen led the team in scoring with 20 points, also had five rebounds. And Tete Maggot, Tite Maggot, I think that's how you pronounce her name. I am probably butchering it. 15 points, four assists, four rebounds, and two steals in the game. Mary Crompton had four steals in the game, 10 steals for the Illinois State Redbirds in this game. You and I had 17 turnovers to only 10 assists in the game. That's not an ideal recipe for winning in a lot of basketball games, let alone conference play. But at home, much like the men's team, the women's team, very good at home. They've lost only one game at home all season, and that was the number one ranked Missouri State Bears. That's the Missouri State number one in conference play, not nationally. Missouri State Lady Bears, I guess I should say. You and I, in the last five games, has won three of their last two, or three out of their last five. They're three and two in their last five games. Beating Evansville in their last game, 67-49, to as we said on Monday. Carly Rucker led the team in scoring with 10 points, also had eight rebounds and five assists. Cole Kroger and Bree Gunnels both had nine points. Megan Moss had eight. And Abby Gertis and Cynthia Wolf both had seven points. Should be a fun one. Should be a fun one. For the UNI Panthers women's team, last time Evansville played, they lost to Valparaiso 78-70. And on the season, Illinois State is 14-9, and 6-6 in conference play, and 4-6 and on the road, which bodes well for the UNI Panthers. Again, 9-1 and at home this year. Very talented home team are most UNI Panthers teams. The football team, the basketball teams are very good home teams defending their facilities up here in Cedar Falls, and the Illinois State Redbirds are 2-3 and three in their last five games. And a reminder, as I said earlier, the UNI Panthers play Bradley on Saturday, so that should be a fun one. Rematch, again, two rematches for the UNI Panthers women's team. Illinois State and Bradley, game on Saturdays at 2 on ESPN 3, and the game tonight, as I said, or tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, 
on ESPN Plus. It'll be a whiteout, so make sure you wear your white UNI Panthers gear for this game. We got some fun basketball around the Cedar Falls area, Cedar Valley area. Men's and women's team both in action tomorrow night, so make sure you tune into those games because it's going to be fun. Fun night for basketball on that. And we're going to move on to another sport real quick before I take our quick break since we're on the top of UNI Panthers sports. The United Panthers wrestling team goes to Wisconsin tomorrow night, which the match will take place at 8 p.m. Central Time. You can catch that on the Big Ten Network. Should be a fun one. Should be a very fun one. You and I won six matches in a row before losing to the Iowa State Cyclones on Sunday, 16-18. Now, if I'm, I, this might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure you and I has won the last three matches against the Cyclones, so it's a kind of an upset kind of now it was at Iowa State. You and I very good at home this year as well, 4-2 and two at home. Went on a killer stretch, beating Missouri, Northern Colorado, Air Force, upsetting Okie State, and beating up on Oklahoma and West Virginia before losing the Cyclones 16-18. to 18. So I expect them to bounce back against Wisconsin. It'll be a fun one, though. You and I, Panthers, a very challenging wrestling team. We'll see how they do once postseason play starts or postseason wrestling starts. And this season, Wisconsin is 11-5 this year. They're 3-3 three three at home. Better home, road team than home team this year. 5-2 and two on the road this year to 3-3 three and three at home. They lost the Iowa Hawkeyes 32-3, which I guess not really surprising because Iowa's been dominating teams all season. And then in their last three games, they've won one in their last three, beating 17th-ranked Michigan, losing to Michigan State, and beating and losing to number two Penn State. He also beat number seven Purdue, 27 to 14. You and I ranked 16th nationally, so it'll be a tough one for the Madison, for the Wisconsin Badgers. Hopefully, the Panthers can bounce back again after that tough loss to the Iowa State Cyclones. So look out for that one again. Match starts at 8 p.m. So we got a lot of good Panther sports coming up tomorrow. The men's team playing Indiana State. The women's team playing Illinois State. The men's wrestling team taking on the Wisconsin Badgers again. Big Ten Network for that game. So make sure you tune into that one because we got a lot of good Panther stuff and we love to talk about you and I Panthers athletics since we are here on the beautiful campus of the University of Northern Iowa here in the beautiful Mocker Union in the basement of Mocker Union here on 94.5 KULT everything you and I. We're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman show. We'll come back, talk about some Iowa basketball, Iowa, Iowa State basketball, Iowa State Played on Monday against Kansas. If you've been living under a rock, then you don't know what happened in that game. We will tell you what happened coming up right after this. Dark side of the moon After all I knew it had 
to be something to do with you. I really don't mind what happens now and then, as long as you'll be my friend at the end. If I go crazy, then will you still call me Superman? If I'm alive, then will messages for all of you sitting in the passenger seat and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel freaky right well why not just ask them to stop or better yet volunteer to text for them it might be a little awkward but believe me you'll live learn more at stoptextstoprex.org brought to you by the ad council and the national highway traffic safety administration why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. 
Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. If variety is the spice of life, we must be the best tasting radio station in the Cedar Valley. 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. KULT, everything UNI. I'm your host of the Logan Blackman Show, Logan Blackman. Here's your mid-show reminder that you should go follow all the social media accounts. If you don't know what the social media accounts are, you're not following them. Here they are. Uh, The social media accounts for Twitter, at the underscore LB underscore show. That's the show's Twitter account. Logan underscore Blackman is my personal Twitter account. Go follow the podcast, I guess, on Twitter at the underscore LB underscore podcast, which gets retweeted from my show's account after every single show. So there's really no need to follow that. I just created it so I could just post all of the podcast stuff on that account. But I don't really, that's all I do from that. I haven't followed anything. I just follow the show's account. It'll be retweeted on that. Go follow the Instagram account, the Logan Blackman show on Instagram. Go like the Facebook page. Search Logan Blackman Show on Facebook. Give it a quick little like. We're almost at 100 likes, which will be huge. We're at 95 likes right now. So get push it up that little five more to get to 100. Go follow the SoundCloud. Logan Blackman Show podcast on SoundCloud. Go follow that. We post. That's where we'll post all of the shows after the show airs live here on 94.5 KULT, everything you and I. And go follow the KULT accounts as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. So go give all of those a follow to keep you up to date on all of your KULT listening. I'm your host, Logan Blackman. As I said, as you could have probably figured out from all the different social media accounts. Talk a lot of sports here on the Logan Blackman Show. Right now it's 1, 2, 4, 3 o'clock here in Cedar Falls, Iowa. About an hour and 15 minutes left in today's program. We got a little bit more stuff to talk about today. Got more basketball, got some football stuff, got some baseball stuff. Just a typical Logan Blackman show for you. We've kind of followed the same pattern unintentionally as of late, but that's really all that's been talked about. The baseball stuff's been huge. College basketball is getting close to the end of their season, getting close to March Madness, which were less than a, what, less than a month away, which is crazy. Just think about this. Football season just ended like NFL college ended in early February college football ended in early January like the second week of January and we are already in March Madness it feels like just the Carson King thing just happened that's what it feels like it feels like it hasn't been a long time it also feels it's been like a really long time mixed together which doesn't make any sense but that's why we're here. That's why we do the, the radio show, because we're not here to make sense, even though that's what you would think, but that's not what we're here for. That's not what we're here for. We're here to entertain and give some opinions that some people might find good or not. I don't know. But yeah, baseball, 
football and ba- and basketball have been like the three main things that have been talked about nationally. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint other things we could talk about. Now, we talk about different things. We don't talk about the same thing all the time, or or sometimes we don't. It kind of it kind of stays the same, but let's be honest here. But, yeah, we've got other stuff to talk about in a little bit. Next week, Mock Draft 2.0 will be released, so there will be that to change. But we talk about the NFL Draft enough already. But official Mock Draft Combine's coming up as well. So we'll talk about the Combine preview each position event and who could win each event. Stuff like that. MLS starts up in a little bit as well. Last week of February is when the MLS kicks off. So I have a full preview for the MLS when that time comes. Sporting Kansas City's first game is on February 29th against Vancouver. So I am very excited for MLS season to kick off. Champions League soccer is going on right now. So we could talk about that. But we got a lot of Iowa-based things to talk about today and some NFL stuff that's going to be huge. So we'll get all that to more and more later but right now we got more Iowa and Iowa State basketball to talk about the Iowa State Cyclones we'll talk about them first because they were in action last they played on Monday night against the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence Kansas and got absolutely shellacked like everybody thought they would line was 16 points they lost by 20 91 to 71 was the final from Lawrence Kansas yeah It, it, it was just about exactly how everybody predicted it no one thought this game was really going to be close. I mean, we toyed with the idea of a possible upset, but everyone knew that this wasn't going to happen. Prentice Nixon for the Iowa State Cyclones is in that Tyrese Halliburton role where he plays almost the entire game pretty much and scores 20 points. Score, lead the team in scoring with 20 points. Also had two assists and two rebounds in the game. Matt Jacobson led the Cyclones in scoring against Texas, if I remember correctly. Had 13 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists. Rasir Bolton, 12 points for him with 6 assists. Yeah, just not a great game for the Cyclones. It was close in the first half. They were down by 10, but then when you get outscored by 10 in the second half as well, that's not a good recipe for good basketball. It's just not a not a good recipe for good basketball. And Devin Dixon for the Kansas Jayhawks led them in scoring with 29, went 6 of 8 from the three-point arc in the game. Just a great game for him. And Aduka as a week A for Kansas, one of their best players, the seven-foot center, 13 points, seven rebounds, two assists, two blocks, but six turnovers. He had six of the 13 turnovers for the Kansas Jayhawks, which is not ideal. And Braun and McCormack had double-digit scoring outputs from the bench with Braun getting 13 and McCormack getting 10 off the bench. Off the bench for the Cyclones, George Condit had nine points and four rebounds in the game. Lawrence, Terrence Lewis had four points off the bench. It's a tough overall game for the Cyclones. I mean, we all knew they were going to go downhill once Tyrese Halliburton fractured his wrist. That was, your best player goes down hurt. Usually you're not going to continue going on. And they're already having a tough season anyways. It's been a very disappointing season. Or not disappointing. It's been as, It's gone as expected, but... Based off what we have known from Iowa State basketball, this is kind of a disappointment. They were projected to finish 8th, 7th, or 8th in Big 12 play this year, so this isn't like a huge surprise to a lot of people. It's not like Missouri State projected to finish 1st and come in 8th or wherever they are right now. There's like a a 5-way tie for 4th place in the Valley or 5th place in the Valley or something like that. 4 or 5-way tie. They're all at 7-7. It's crazy. But Iowa State, yeah, for Cyclone fans who have been having great basketball, for the better part of the 2010s, 
This is kind of sad to watch them struggle like this, especially get blown out twice to Kansas, where usually that game is one of the games where everybody looks forward to like, oh, here comes Iowa State to come upset the Jayhawks, and they got smashed both times they played them. So we all knew it was going to be a hard season, but now we just have to ride the wave for the rest of the year. Next game they play is on Saturday against Texas Tech. That will be at 5 on ESPNU. So make sure you tune in to that game. Texas Tech beat the Cyclones by 20 the last time they played, 72-52. to Texas Tech 16-9 and on the season, won three of their last five games, won three in a row before losing to Oklahoma State, who's been on a really weird hot streak as of late. Went from zero conference wins to not last in the Big 12 pretty fast. Uh, for this game, Texas Tech has a 61.5% chance to win, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index. That means Iowa State has a 38.5% chance to win this game. It is in Hilton. Maybe Hilton can give a little bit more Hilton magic for the Cyclones this year. They did beat Texas. We did expect them to beat Texas, to be fair, but not by as bad as they did. But it'll be a fun game for the Iowa State Cyclones. Again, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, last time they played, they lost to Oklahoma State, but they played tonight against Kansas State, who currently sits last in the Big 12 at 2-10 in conference play. So not ideal for Texas Tech. I mean, not ideal for Kansas State. Ideal for Texas Tech. This would be a nice win for the Red Raiders. They're at home. Get a nice little win there to rebound from the loss to Oklahoma State at Okie State. And then go on to face the Cyclones on Saturday. Again, 5 p.m. tip-off on ESPNU. The Iowa Hawkeyes, they are in action tomorrow night in a top 25 matchup against the Ohio State Buckeyes. The first and only time these two teams have met or are going to meet this entire season. Ohio State 7 and 7 Big 10 play 17 and 8 overall. Number 25 ranked team in the country. We're number 1 in the nation at one point. Then they lost to Minnesota and then they've just gone downhill since then. It's been a really rough year for the Buckeyes for where they once were at the start of the season. They've won two of their last 3 games, four of their last 5, so they've gone they've been in a nice little form right here. Did beat Purdue and Rutgers in their past two games. Both games at home to be to say that, but Big Ten teams on the road versus at home this year is ridiculous. The amount of parity in the records between home and road is pretty much non-existent, to say the least. That's putting it lightly. They there is no parity at home. There's like an extreme difference between home and road. There is one team. Out of the, what, 14 teams in the Big Ten that has a winning road record, and that is Penn State. 5-3 and three on the road this year. That is the best road record in the Big Ten by far. There's only one other team with five wins on the road, and that's the Illinois Fighting Illini. And they were at one point the best team in the Big Ten, but they have fallen off significantly as well. And like the like what we said with Missouri Valley with that log jam at 7-7, seven and seven, there's a one, two, three, four, five-way tie for third at nine and six between Iowa, Michigan State, Rutgers, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Ohio State, as we said, seven and seven in conference play. But here's the home records for the Big Ten teams. Going from top to bottom. Starting with Maryland and with Northwestern. 15-0 for Maryland. 13-2 for Penn State. 12-1 for Iowa. Undefeated at home in Big Ten play. The one loss coming to DePaul, which still seems weird. Michigan State 10 and 3, Rutgers 17 and 0 on the season, which shows how bad they are on the road. 1 and 6 on the road this year are Rutgers. Illinois 12 and 3, Wisconsin 12 and 1, Ohio State 13 and 2, Michigan 10 and 4, Purdue 10 and 3, 
Indiana 13 and 3, Minnesota 10 and 3, and then Nebraska Northwest. We don't need to talk about those two teams. But Minnesota and Indiana Indiana are 1 and 8 and 1 and 6 on the road. Ohio State is 3 and 5 on the road this year. The it is insane looking at the Big 10 standings and looking at how good these teams are on the road versus at home. It's ridiculous. Rutgers, who sits joint third in the Big Ten, is one and six at home and seventeen and zero. All right, seventeen and zero at home, one and six on the road. Northwestern is one and nine on the road. You have a very similar record on the road to Northwestern, who's one and fourteen in Big Ten play. Lost ten in a row. Same with Nebraska. It's insane looking at that. I don't know what to think about that. That stuff's just ridiculous how different the home versus away records are in the Big Ten. It's kind of crazy to look at. But yeah, again, this is the first time and only time Iowa and Ohio State will meet this season. Ohio State, as we said, winners of the last two, one, two of their last three, four of their last five games of the season. Iowa has been in a really weird stretch as of late. They beat Wisconsin, lost to Maryland, beat Illinois, Got smashed by Purdue. Beat Nebraska. Lost against Indiana in multiple ways. Losing the game and losing C.J. Frederick for the se- most likely the season. At least that's what it seems like. And there has been reports that he's out of the walking boot right now. So it's not as bad as what it originally seemed. But we'll have to wait and see on that. And then they beat Minnesota. So by that record, by what they've been doing in that recent stretch of games, they should lose to Ohio State if they keep that record up because a lot of people are talking about the Fran fade which has been much talked about throughout this little stre- weird stretch of games Iowa's been playing right here but it's at home and again Iowa undefeated at home in Big Ten play one loss at home this year for the Iowa Hawkeyes and that was to DePaul where they lost 93-78 to in the second game of the season crazy how that game turned I still don't get that game at all that makes that game makes zero sense now it makes less sense now than it did back then it was a shocking loss then it's even more shocking look how good Iowa's bounced back since then but yeah first and only time that these two teams have met games tomorrow night at six on ESPN top 25 matchup going into Carver Hawkeye Arena should be a fun one 18 and 8 Iowa Hawkeyes 9 and 6 Big 10, 17 and 8 Ohio State, 7 and 7 in Big 10 play. Exciting one. Should be a very very exciting matchup at Carver Hawkeye Arena. So let's go over all the different scores that we got going on in the MVC Big 10 and Big 12 coming up in the next few days, coming days tonight, tomorrow, whenever. So tonight we got some Missouri Valley action. Missouri State will be taking on the Bradley Braves. Bradley's a 5 and a half point favorite over the Bears of Missouri State. Missouri State trying to get to 500. They're seven and seven in conference play, but 13 and 14 overall. So looking to bounce back and get up to 500 on the season. Valparaiso is traveling to Drake, a battle of two seven and seven teams again, and that log jam for fifth place in the Valley. Both those teams are seven and seven. Drake is a four point favorite. They've only lost once at home, once or twice at home. I can't remember how many times they've lost at home, but they did not show up the last time they played. So they'll be looking for a bounce back game. So they played like trash last time they played. They got absolutely smashed. So we'll see if they can bounce back. And then Illinois State against Loyola. So the battle of the Illinois schools. Loyola is 11.5 favorites over the Redbirds. Again, Illinois State, 
the only team in the Missouri Valley did not have a single win, conference games or not, on the road this year. They've lost every game they played on the road. They played tough in all of their games, but still haven't won on the road. They're pretty much locked in to the nine seed for the Missouri Valley Conference this year. Going tomorrow, we got the UNI Panthers again taking on Indiana State. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Game will tip off at 6 p.m. Central Time. Again, News Talk 1540 KXL will broadcast the game for you from Terre Haute, Indiana. Indiana State 10-1 at home this year. Tough matchup for the UNI Panthers. And then the other matchup tomorrow night, Evansville 0-14 in conference play, but they have been playing better as of late. Been playing very competitive games. Though they've been losing, they've been very competitive. Southern Illinois, very talented team at home. Not a lot of people think they're legit, so be a tough one. This might be a tough one. They Evansville almost beat, I think it was, who they almost beat? Drake or Loyola? They had a very close game, their last one. Drake, 85-80. to 80. Drake's bad game was two games ago. So they're playing teams tough. See if they can play Southern Illinois tough tomorrow night at 7. Should be a fun one in Carbondale. For the Big Ten... Got games tomorrow night, or tonight and tomorrow night as well. Michigan and Rutgers are playing tonight at 6 on Big Ten Network. Indiana and Minnesota, both teams 6-8 and eight in conference play, will be playing each other tonight. Minnesota's a 5.5-point favorite over the Hoosiers of Indiana. Rutgers, again, 17-0 at home this year. One of two Big Ten teams to be undefeated at home, the other one being Maryland, who's currently first in the Big Ten. Uh, tomorrow night, we got Ohio State and Iowa, as we've said, on ESPN at 6 and then Michigan State taking on North or Nebraska. Nebraska losers of their last 10 games. Not great. Nah, nah, not great. The game will be on FS1, though, at 7.30 live from Lincoln, Nebraska. And we got some Big 12 action tonight. We got TCU going up against Texas. Both teams 14-11 in overall play. TCU does have the edge. In Big 12 conference play, 5-7 and seven in conference as Texas is 4-8. and eight. And Kansas State and Texas Tech play. As we said, Texas Tech should be an easy win. This should be an easy win for the Red Raiders as Kansas State last in Big 12 play this year. 2-10 and 10 in conference play. Texas Tech 11.5 point favorite over the Kansas State Wildcats. Iowa State and Texas Tech will meet up on Saturday at 5 p.m. Central Time on ESPNU. We're going to take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back, go over the net rankings for the newest net rankings based off results from last night, which Iowa, the Iowa teams aren't really affected that much. And we'll look at Joe Lenardi's latest bracket and talk about possible coaches of the year in the Big Ten, Big 12, and Missouri Valley Conference. All of that and more coming up right after this.
to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman! You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Everything you and I.
We are back, everybody. 104 right now here in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And I didn't want to talk about this. I made it very clear I didn't want to talk about this today. I think you know what I'm talking about. But we have to talk about it. Manfred, Carlos Correa, the stupid Houston Astros. I am sick and tired of talking about this dumb group of players and this completely incompetent man commissioner. I can't take it anymore. We're going to interrupt our college basketball talk to talk about this loser franchise with this loser GM. I need to talk about this. This is not, I cannot ignore this anymore. I was scrolling on Twitter and the, oh my God, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's mentally draining. I can't do it anymore. So here is what, so if you heard the other day, Carlos Correa came out bashing Cody Bellinger saying, oh, you don't know all the facts, so you can't come out and say anything about us. Got all angry about it. And then yesterday, Manfred comes out with this statement. So I'll let Carlos Correa and Manfred take it away from here. I know the facts. If you're not informed, this is America, Ken. You can say whatever you want. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. You can say whatever you want. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. But Cody Bellinger's job is to look for information, get informed, the garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. Know the facts for sure before he stands in front of cameras to talk about other players. You should get informed. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. You guys did not have their signs. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. Just back to win with, with, with three runs in four games, you're out of your mind. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. With a group of talent that we have. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. With the numbers that we put out throughout the years. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. You guys now, all the players now, are above the lawyers that MLB is using. Above the commissioner's report. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. Baseball player with talent playing the game of baseball. And you had the audacity to tell the reporters the garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. Yeah, they were cheating. Did you did you catch that? I don't know. I don't know if you caught that or not. Do you, do you want me to? Do you want me to tell you what Manfred said again? Do you want me to? Do I need to play that again? I feel like I I need to. I want to keep the audience informed. We're about entertaining. We're also about keeping the audience informed. So here's what I'll repeat it for you. If you can, if you didn't catch it. The garbage can signaling went on in the postseason. The garbage can stealing did go on the postseason. That came out a couple days. Manfred announced that, yet, I think, yesterday. Carlos Correa came out with that statement last week after Cody Bellinger's rant. And I think a lot of America respects Cody Bellinger a lot more than we already did. Because there's, re- there's no reason to not like Cody Bellinger except for he plays with the Dodgers. That whole Astros team, I cannot stand anymore. I didn't want to talk about it today. I wanted to go through a full day 
where we didn't have to touch on that annoying team and we didn't have to hear a statement from that clown of a commissioner. I didn't want to do it. When we talked baseball, I, I was hoping to do just at the end of the show, the last 10 minutes or whatever, and I could talk about Chris Bryant and the stuff that was said about him today and what came out with the Cubs and Nolan Arenado and when he's going to get traded and when we think he's going to get traded. That's what I wanted to talk about. I did not want to say anything about the Astros. I wanted to go one day without someone from that whole situation sticking their foot in their mouth or shoving their, shoving their head where the sun don't shine. I wanted one day to do that. And no, I can't because my timeline keeps getting blown up in this. I can't take it anymore. Some people are like, oh, this is good for baseball. It's getting talked about. Which I guess, in a sense, because as the old adage goes, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Publicity is publicity, and it's good, whatever. Whether it's bad or not, you're getting talked about. So there's that thing you go with. But then you look at it, the grand scheme of things and go like, wow, Manfred's an idiot. Manfred actually does not care about the sport he's the boss of. He is the boss of Major League Baseball. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Commissioner Roger Goodell, the Commissioner of Football, boss of football. Adam Silver, boss of basketball. Now Rob Manfred, the boss of baseball. I wanted one day. I wanted one day where I didn't need to talk about this. Rob Manfred said this trash can banging scheme was in use by the Astros during the 2017 postseason. He also came out with a statement yesterday, in effort to make a rhetorical point, I refer to the World Series trophy in a disrespectful way. It was a mistake to say that. Whoa, yeah, really? I didn't really realize this until I heard Justin Turner say it, I think on Monday as well. The trophy's called the Commissioner's Trophy. The World Series trophy is called the Commissioner's Trophy. And now you got the Commissioner of the league that has the championship trophy called the Commissioner's Trophy, calling it just a piece of metal. The whole situation is ridiculous. Ain't no way he getting inducted to the Hall of Fame whenever he's going to get up. There's no way. This is one of the worst handled things in sports history. Out, regardless of sport, this whole situation has been handled in the worst way I can possibly think of. You are going to find pitchers and suspend pitchers who throw at the players who are getting no suspension and cheated their way to a World Series. Aaron Judge, you cheated. Like Aaron Judge said, Aaron Judge didn't cheat. You cheated. You didn't win the World Series. Don't know how hard it is to win a championship, and then you go out and do that. It's red- I don't know how this could be handled any worse. Take the World Series away. Suspend players. Spend, suspend the crap out of players. Take the penance away. Remove that season altogether. And don't suspend pitchers for beating them because that's what they deserve. On part in my take, back in October, Alex Bregman, third baseman for the World Series Houston Astros, one of his favorite unwritten rules in baseball. Listen to this. This is on part of my take from October 4th. So tune into this. One of our favorite things to ask baseball players is we're obsessed with uh, unwritten rules. What's your favorite unwritten rule? I like all of them, honestly. I kind of, I kind of like the, I kind of like the way that the game has always policed itself. Um, I think that if you do some stupid stuff on the field, you, 
either you or one of your one of your teammates is going to get a hit for how you were acting. And I kind of like that. I kind of like how that, that those rules. Have, have you had a moment where you knew going up to the plate that you were most likely going to get hit? Like it was like, okay, this is this game has gone this way. I'm the guy who's about to get get uh, get one in the ear hole. Um, no, I haven't. Um, in the big leagues, you're gonna get one now, Alex. <laughs> you're gonna get one right in the ear hole. You're lucky you played the Yankees the second to last game series of the season. You're very lucky in that. If you played them any time sooner than that, which gonna, there's going to be a brawl anyways. There's going to be a Yankees-Astros brawl regardless. But the fact that it's the second to last series of the season makes it like they're not going to throw on them that much. There still are, unless Garrett Cole's pitching because he's not going to. He's on that team that won the World Series. But, man, the arrogance, the lack of awareness, the no punishment involved for these players is ridiculous. Alex Bregman's favorite rule, unwritten rule in baseball is that the game polices itself, where if you walk, if you do something stupid in the game, you or your teammate is going to get beamed. Well, you did something really stupid that pissed off literally the entire league. I don't think there's ever been a sport more united than this right now. Sure, sports have their things where they unite the entire league, but not like this, where everybody has the exact same opinion on this. Whether you're talking to Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, the Dodgers, Chris Bryant of the Chicago Cubs, Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees, all covering the different areas of the United States, the West, the Midwest, and the East Coast, the main areas of the United States. Yes, we got mountain time, but whatever. Every single player in the league is on the same page. And really, only the Astros Yankees were affected by this because they lost the AL pennant, the Yankees did, and the Dodgers lost the World Series. And like Chris Bryant said the other day, I have no doubt that they were cheating in 2018-19. They didn't get caught in 2017, so why why stop doing it? And Manfred with the ideal or the ideology or whatever, that the Astros told us the truth about 17 and 18. Why would they lie to us about about 19 too? Because they were doing worse things. They're just doing the drum thing before. Now they're doing the whole buzzer thing. I am in, I'm with all the players, everything that has been rumored that they have done. I am a hundred percent in the camp that they did that. Carlos Correa, Manfred, Altuve, Bregman, Every person involved in that whole thing, you guys are a bunch of clowns. That's putting it lightly. Could say a lot more things, but I'm restricted due to FCC violations. This whole situation is ridiculous. The way the commissioner is defending this situation is ridiculous. And the dumbest way you could possibly handle this situation is the way Manfred's handling it. I didn't think. Now, there's a lot of people out there that hate Roger Goodell. There's a whole camp of Roger Goodell haters. This has been this punishment thing has gone on for about a week or two, and you have already surpassed Goodell and haters. Goodell has been hated for, I don't know, ever since he took charge, essentially. You have been in charge for, what, two years? Three years? Hasn't been that long. 
It's probably been a little longer than that, but. And you're the most hated person in baseball right now. Other than the Astros players, Trevor Bauer came out with a whole speech berating you, not even about this whole situation. It's about everything else. It is ridiculous. The fact that we are refusing to take away the World Series championship. They're not champions. So what's the matter of taking away just a piece of metal? If it's just a piece of metal, then it shouldn't matter. It's not just the fact that you're taking away the trophy. You're wiping out the entire 2017 season. You're taking away all the wins they had. You're taking away the banner. You're taking away the pennant. You're taking away the trophy that's just a piece of metal. You're suspending players. An average human that doesn't know anything about baseball would be able to tell you that's how you handle this situation. You're pissing off people in Iowa who have no major league team. That's how stupid this whole thing's been handled. North Dakotan people hate this, and they don't even care about baseball. Or do they? I don't. Do, do North Dakota people hate, care about baseball? Idaho? You're making people mad there. They don't even care about baseball in those states. If they do, I've never heard of a player coming out of there. Care about hockey and football. That's about it. This whole situation is ridiculous. I did not want to touch on this today. But Twitter has a beautiful way of reminding me about things that I don't want to do- talk about. And going, hey, Logan, here is this that you didn't want to talk about today. Oh, thank you, Twitter. I very much appreciate that. Thank you very much. Ah, <sighs> man. Manfred, Manfred, Altuve, Bregman, Carlos Correa. Man, Carlos Graham might be the dumbest person in baseball. He came out with a whole berating thing about Cody Bellinger and then came up with the dumbest excuse of Jose Altuve has a bad tattoo, which apparently was uh, like his wife's name. The dude's writing a name. Unless it's my handwriting, how embarrassed are you of that tattoo? I have some friends where they can't even read their own handwriting. I struggle to read mine from time to time. Unless it's that, there's no reason to be like, no, don't take off my jersey, and I'm going to run to the locker room and put on a new shirt. Carlos Correa, you are the dumbest person in baseball. Maybe the dumbest person in sports, next to Antonio Brown. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I didn't want to talk about that, but yet here we are. Here on this February 19th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I didn't have I didn't have any of this written down on anywhere. I had zero plans to even touch on it. Because I didn't want to talk about it. Because we've dominated the Logan Blackman Show for the greater part of two weeks. I wanted to talk about other things. But no. Thank you, Correa for doing the same thing that most of your teammates have done and shoving your head so far up your keister that it's coming out your neck hole. That makes sense. I don't know why I did that analogy. That was weird. I didn't like that. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, let's go back to basketball. Let's talk about better things here. So, Joe Lenardi came out with his latest bracketology bracket yesterday, and we got you and I in there. Iowa currently sits as a seven seed in Greensboro. Play Wichita State. We'll play the winner of Duke in Montana. Ugh. 
can deal with the Wichita State thing. The Duke game, that's not something I'm looking forward to if I'm a Hawkeye fan. Now, you and I, they'll play Michigan and have the chance to play Dayton or Bowling Green. I like that for you and I. I think you and I can go far in that bracket. I think you and I have the ability to beat Michigan. I definitely think they have the ability to beat Dayton and Bowling Green. I think they have the abilities to go decently far out of that one. And then they go out and they'll play the winner of Penn State, Hofstra, or Butler, Virginia. I'm fine with any of that. Virginia is probably the scariest one of all of them because they're, they've been in the tournament before. They have a coach that's been in the tournament. They've struggled in the regular season, but they, the ACC is a hard conference. Not so much this year. This year it's been kind of a struggle down year for the ACC, especially since North Carolina has sucked this year. Been terrible this year. Man, that's, I like that for you and I. It's a tough one, but I like it. I like it. I'm excited for March Madness. It'll be fun. It would be a very fun time. Big Ten dominates the rundown for each team in the conference. Ten teams in the tournament. Big East is second with seven. Oh, jeez. And the Big 12 and Big Pac-12 have five. So, yeah, should be a fun one once March Madness kicks around. You and I in the net rankings, you and I currently sits top of the Missouri Valley in 40th. Loyola sits the next closest at 94th. So you and I, if they, so the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, when they, if they're teams that are tied, they will go off the net rankings. So if Loyola somehow gets tied up with you and I, you and I will still be the number one seed. You and I just can't lose enough games to get behind Loyola. Otherwise, they'll just, you and I is the number one seed in the bracket, pretty much. Unless they lose multiple games and drop below Loyola. Iowa. They currently sit 29th in the net rankings. Iowa State 73rd and Drake 154th in the net rankings. So, yeah, it's a tough one for Drake. I I don't really see them making the tournament this year. I'm sorry. Just I mean, they could win the conference tournament and then they'll make it, but as of right now, yeah, <laughs> probably. Man, Logan, that's a really bold prediction. You sure you want to stick your na- your neck out for that one? Uh, we'll see. I feel decently confident about that one, but we'll have to wait and see. How that one goes. How that one. This should be should be a fun one. Same with Iowa State. I don't know if they can do it or not, but we'll see. And speaking of Iowa State, Bleacher Report came out with their latest mock draft for the 2020 NBA draft. Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State Cyclones point guard. We expect him to go pro after this season. His Iowa State career looks like it's done and dusted. And they have him going number five to the New York Knicks, which... This is a solid pick for the Knicks. Knicks need a point guard. They got like eight on the roster, but none of them are very good. So Halliburton would be a nice way to start that off. Best distributor in all of college basketball, according to some, and myself. I would agree with that statement. I think that would be a good pick for the New York Knicks. And before we take our next break here on the Blogan Blackman Show, let's go over uh, tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow night's games for the top 25 and talk about which games to watch. So tonight in the top 25, we got number 21, Butler, Against number 16, Seton Hall. Butler 7-8 and eight in the Big East. Seton Hall 10-3 and three overall in the Big East. That should be a fun one again. Tomorrow, tonight at 5.30 on FS1. Syracuse is taking on number 11, Louisville on ESPN at 6. Auburn, number 13, Auburn going to number unranked Georgia. 2-10 in SEC player, the Georgia Bulldogs, who have the projected number one overall pick on their roster. Much like Ben Simmons and... Uh, Markel Fultz before him on a very bad team. 
but will probably get drafted number one, Anthony Edwards, averaging 19 points a game this season for the Georgia Bulldogs in a really disappointing year for Georgia. Number six, Duke, is playing North Carolina State tonight at 8 on ESPN. Number 12, Villanova is taking on DePaul. Game is tonight at 8 on CSNBC or CBSSN, CBS Sports Network. And Tulsa is going to number 22, Houston. Then we got games tomorrow night. As we said, Iowa and Ohio State are playing at 6. We got Oregon State going up against number 24, Arizona. Number 14, Oregon going to unranked Arizona State. USC is going to number 18, Colorado. Santa Clara, Steve Nash's university, taking on number 23, BYU. And San Francisco taking on number two, Gonzaga. Iowa Ohio State will be on ESPN, Oregon State, Arizona on Pac-12 Network. Oregon, Arizona State on ESPN, USC, Colorado on ESPN2. Santa Clara versus BYU on CBS Sports Network. And San Francisco, Gonzaga on ESPN. Too. So make sure you tune into all of those games. Should be a very fun night and couple nights of college basketball. You and I, Panthers, and the Iowa Hawkeyes will play both play tomorrow night. Iowa State's next game is on Saturday. So make sure you tune into all of those games. The women's team play tomorrow night as well against Illinois State. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, probably our final break of this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. We'll talk about some NFL Got some, some people are returning for their 20th season. How many players have played 20 seasons in the NFL? We'll talk about that right after this. Say the most. Find a little bit as steady as I get close. Find a balance in the middle of the chaos. Semi low, semi high, semi never demi god. I remember walking in the cold of November, hoping that I make it to the end of December. 27 years in the end of my mind, but holding to the thought of another time. But looking through the ways of the ones before me, looking through the path of the young and lonely. I don't want to hear about what to do. I don't want to do it just to do it for you. Hello, hello, let me tell you what it's like to be a zero, zero. Let me show you what it's like to always feel, feel. Like I'm empty and there's nothing really real, real. I'm looking for a way out. Hello, hello, let me tell you what it's like to be a zero, zero. Let me show you what it's like to never feel, feel. Like I'm good enough for anything that's real, real. I'm looking for a way out. I find it hard to tell you how I want to run away. I understand it always makes you feel a certain way. I find a balance in the middle of the chaos. Send me up, send me down, send me never, then me down. I remember walking in the heat of the summer. Wide-eyed one with the mindful of wonder. 27 years and I've nothing to show. Falling from the dove to the dock of the crow. Looking through the ways of the ones before me. Looking through the path of the young and lonely. I don't want to hear about what to do, no. I don't want to do it just to do it for you. Hello, hello, let me tell you what it's like to be a zero. You what it's like to always feel, feel Like I'm empty and there's nothing really real, real I'm looking for a way out Hello, hello, let me tell you what it's like to be a zero, zero Let me show you what it's like to never feel, feel Like I'm good enough for anything that's real, real I'm looking for a way out Let me tell you about it Well, let me tell you about it Maybe you the same as me Let me tell you about it 
What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow, right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Listen, my life changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs. No one can understand. People think that having someone who will listen makes it better. I need help. I'm listening. I need help. I think that having someone who will listen makes it better. People understand. No one can get me to use drugs. My life changed because someone was there to listen. Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to turn addiction around. Brought to you by the Ad Council. 94.5 94.5 KULTLP Cedar Falls streaming live at uni.edu slash KULT on Facebook at KULT Radio. We are 94.5 KULT. Everything you and I. out of me they bring my Darth Vader my dark side out and yeah but we're done with that we're done talking about the Astros for a little bit uh, reminder to watch all those great college basketball games that we got coming up tonight and tomorrow you're listening here live on the Logan Blackman show here on 94.5 KULT everything you and I let's talk about some NFL news there was a lot of speculation going around the league that Drew Brees was contemplating retirement from the NFL after 19 years in baseball, or in baseball, in football, Drew Brees has decided to come back and play in the NFL for his 20th season, one of five players to play 20 seasons 
in the NFL or quarterbacks to play in the NFL, my bad. Those quarterbacks include Drew Brees right now, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, I know, Brett Favre, Earl Morrill, and Vinny Testaverde. Earl Morrill, if you don't know, played the Jets in the Super Bowl. He kind of was like the veteran they brought in to for Johnny Unitas or whatever, played in the Jets in the Super Bowl. Vinny Testaverde, legendary quarterback. Who doesn't love themselves some Vinny Testaverde? One of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Played for the Ravens, Browns, Bucks, Jets, Panthers. Is that all of them? He played for a lot of teams. Cowboys. Uh, who all did he play for? I think that might be it. I think I might have aced that. He got drafted by the Bucks. And then in no order after that. I know he didn't play for the Jets next, and he didn't play for the Bra- Ravens next. He played for the Browns and then the Ravens because he transitioned from the Browns to the Ravens. Uh, and then I think the Jets and then the Cowboys and Panthers. I think that might be it. I think I might have aced that. Someone go look that up for me. If I forgot somebody, then whatever. But I think that was the order he played in, and I'll give myself a round of applause even though it might not be right, but... You know what? It could be. It very well could be. But, you know, Drew Brees, congratulations. You're going to play your 20th season. He said, who dat nation round up again? They're just going to get ready to lose to the Vikings again in the playoffs. But you know what? That's not all bad. At least they made the playoffs. But with Brees returning, that more or less means Teddy's gone. Teddy Bridgewater is the the number one option for free agent quarterbacks this offseason. He's the number one target for most teams in need for a quarterback. He's the best option available in free agency. You'll get all the options around the league. You got based off age and everything. We're not talking about their history in the league. So obviously Tom Brady would be number one in that. But in regards to the best available, Teddy's the best. You got like Jameis Mariota, Brady, Rivers. Who else am I forgetting here? I'm forgetting somebody. There's another big name here that I'm forgetting about. Case Keenum, obviously. And Ryan Tannehill. And a couple more in there, I believe, as well. But that that's all I can think of at the top of my head. But Teddy is the creme de la creme of quarterback gets this offseason. He's going to be the guy that most people target this offseason that are in need of quarterbacks. You look at, like, I don't know, the Bears, the Chargers, Colts, Raiders, maybe, Panthers, Patriots. Who else does need a quarterback? Am I forgetting anybody? I think that might be it. Maybe the Buccaneers? I don't know. But yeah, out of the, the main teams right there, the Bears, Chargers, Colts, Panthers, Patriots. Those are like the main teams that Teddy's been linked to this offseason that I have seen. So here's my predictions for each of those teams. We've done my predictions for quarterbacks in the past, but I don't really know. I feel more comfortable now. I mean, I'm going to pretty much say the exact same thing. If you've already heard this, then might as well just tune off because it doesn't really matter anymore. But... For Teddy Bridgewater, the Bears are a big option for him. A lot of Bears fans are going to be wanting Teddy Bridgewater, former NFC North opponent with the Vikings. Bears, need of a quarterback, or want to at least push Trubisky. And I think that's going to be Andy Dalton more than anything. The guy is old offensive coordinator. Andy Dalton's going to be traded this offseason. Why not bring him into Chicago and have him push Trubisky? Because he's talented enough to be a starter, but not good enough to start full-time, if that makes any sense. Like Ryan Tannehill of last year. This is the 2020 version of Ryan Tannehill. Has talent, but he's got to move on. 
Tannehill's big issue is that he was hurt all the time. He had the talent. He just got hurt. And he showed off his talent last year, one comeback player of the year. Andy Dalton has talent. He just turns it over too much. But I think he could be the perfect guy to help push Trubisky to the next level. If not, he can come in and do what Tannehill Tannehill did this year. Because all the Bears need is average quarterback play. Their defense is good enough to stop anybody. The offense just needs to score. That was their problem last year is that their offense couldn't keep up with their defense. Their defense couldn't keep up with the lack of scoring their offense was doing. And there's the whole bend but don't break thing, but after a while, after your offense isn't scoring, it's going to be hard to just keep stopping them. But I think Andy Dalton would be the ideal guy. I've been saying that for the past couple months now when Andy got benched for Ryan Finley. We've been kind of been that's kind of been on our thing, so we don't change that often. Speaking of teams, we don't change the Chargers. We've changed this one a few times on who we think will the Chargers get in free agency. My gut's telling me the Chargers are just going to stick with Tyrod Taylor. Much like Andy Dalton and Ryan Tannehill before, has talent, is good, can be a starter, but not a full-time starter, if that makes any sense. I think Tyrod Taylor is a good bridge guy, good bridge quarterback. He is what he is. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to get a lot of yards. He's not going to throw for a lot of touchdowns. He's just there. Talented quarterback. I like Tyra Taylor, but the char- he's not going to be their future guy. So that's where the Chargers draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft. Now, Cam Newton's a name that gets thrown around a lot. We threw that name in the bucket back in when he got hurt, I think, when Kyle Allen started playing good. We were kind of like the first ones to be on that wave a little bit, to say the least. We kind of were. I can say that with full confidence because I did you can go back and listen to the Logan Blackman show because <laughs> I started seeing all over Twitter like a few months after that it's like oh man we've been saying that for a while but Cam Newton to the Chargers it would bring in a lot of people a lot of fans of Cam Newton out there very marketable player former MVP has been to a Super Bowl rookie of the year got the lifestyle of living in LA but did the Chargers just want to keep their in-house options to go with like a Herbert or Tua or whoever in the first round? Because her uh, Taylor, Tyra Taylor would be more of that guy where you could have him start and then eventually bench him. Cam would be the guy that you would have start for a full season or maybe two. If he stays healthy, he's a solid quarterback in this league. But I don't know. We'll see what the Chargers do. My gut says Tyrod. My head says Cam Newton. One of those two will be the Chargers starting quarterback at the start of the year, at least. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, I think Phillip Rivers, that one just makes too much sense for me. Offensive line's good. Running game's good. Got good weapons. Just don't turn the ball over. Colts draft a good quarterback in the first round. They got a lot of picks. I think they got like 11 or something picks. So they'll be moving up. They'll be movers in the draft. Whether they move up with their first pick or they come in back into the first round and draft a quarterback there. They've got all the picks in the world to get their quarterback and Phillip Rivers would be that perfect bridge quarterback. A lot of Some people don't think he's a good enough player to be a starter regardless of where he goes this offseason. I think he can still be a starter, at least a solid enough starter. If not, their young guy will come in and he'll retire at the end of the season. So we'll have to wait and see. I think Phillip Rivers to the Colts, that's my pick for there. But those, those are three teams so far that have been talked about. Teddy, again, if you don't know what I'm doing here, why I'm just rattling off teams – these are, I'm talking about five teams that have been constantly linked with Teddy and what I actually think they will do instead of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but the Carolina Panthers, this is where I see Teddy going. Out of all the other places, I think this is where Teddy lands. Uh, they got 
Brady, the former pass game coordinator of the LSU Tigers, who was a coach with the New Orleans Saints with Teddy Bridgewater, has a connection there. I think Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers would be a great thing. I think he'd fit in perfectly with the Carolina Panthers. Kind of a similar style offense to the New Orleans Saints with a talented receiving back that you can just check down to if you feel pressure. Just need to get a good wide receiver that lost Greg Olson to Seattle, which not really lose him. They were letting him go. So, But I think Teddy Bridgewater would be an awesome get for the Carolina Panthers. And the New England Patriots, again, much like the Chargers before, my gut says Tom Brady. But we talked about this on Monday, of Tom Brady getting that two-year $60 million deal from the Raiders, possibly. So that changes things a little bit. Then your gut starts telling you different things. Like Josh Rosen is one that I feel would be a really smart get for the New England Patriots. To get him for cheap. Now, there was an article from Pro Football Talk that said the Dolphins are holding on to Rosen. No, they're not. There's no way they hold it. So what if that if they're holding on the Rosen, then they're not drafting a quarterback. What the that doesn't mean anything. Holding on the Rosen would not be smart here. He is talented enough to be a starting quarterback. He just turned twenty three years old. He's had twenty three offensive coordinators or so in his career. He needs solidity. He needs some solid footing. I think he could be could do a job for the Patriots. I think he might be the perfect guy for the Patriots, to be honest. I don't I cannot see them going from Tom Brady to Marcus Mariota. I cannot see that. I refuse to believe that will happen. I refuse to believe that will happen. If it does, I'll hold my hands up. But right now, you go from Brady to Mariota. What? Doesn't make any sense to me. Does that make sense to anybody else? I've been seeing that for a little bit, and I just refuse to believe it if Tom Brady's gone that they go with Mariota. Rosen's younger. I think Rosen's got all the talent in the world. He's been just on the two worst franchises in the league the past two years, or two of the worst franchises in the league, with new head coaches in each of them. They're each trying to get their stuff figured out in the NFL. Vance Joseph in Arizona, Brian Flores in Miami, first-year head coaches, both defensive guys. The Patriots have Josh McDaniels there, who is looking like he's going to be the next head coach of the New England Patriots whenever Belichick decides to retire. So you have solidity with that offensive coordinator, and he's probably going to be your next head coach too. That's what Rosen needs. The Patriots were looking at Rosen when he got drafted in 2018 anyway, so it's not like this would be far-fetched because they had two first-round picks. There was talks they were trading up to get a quarterback, whether that be Mayfield or Rosen were the two that they were most commonly linked with because not everybody expected Mayfield to go number one. I think Rosen would be the perfect guy to get if you're the Patriots. But with the Dolphins trade in division, I don't know. We'd have to wait and see on that. Other options for the New England Patriots, is Cam Newton an option? I don't think so, but he's going to be traded somewhere, you would expect. So maybe he's an option there. I don't really think so. I think the logical picks are the Chargers and the Redskins, even though a lot of people want to refute the Redskins thing because Dwayne Haskins is there. I did. Cam Newton with Ron Rivera just makes too much sense. They just re-signed Adrian Peterson, so they had a veteran back there and get another vet and Cam Newton coach up Dwayne Haskins. Here's the thing that the Redskins could do. Okay, this might be controversial. They trade back with, like, Miami or something, or the Chargers or Panthers. Those teams draft a quarterback. You guys get Jedrick Wills from Alabama. You stir up your offensive line, get more draft picks. You got, like, six draft picks. That's one of the lowest in the draft. You have a lot of holes in your roster. 
much more than defensive end, which you could get, which I would be trying so hard to trade with Miami Dolphins. They have two first-round picks. You get Jedrick Wills at number five, and then you get Chison from LSU, an edge rusher, or A.J. Epineza, whichever one's available, your cheer gross mottos, whichever one you want. That's what I would do if I'm the Redskins. And then you get a second-round pick or third-round pick from the Dolphins as well because the number two pick, whether you're a top-five pick already or not, draws a lot of interest and it's going to get a high bidding war there. That's what I would do if I'm the Washington Redskins. And then you get Cam Newton there. Ease Dwayne Haskins because you had a quarterback. It's like Josh Allen in his rookie year. You had Case Keenum and Colt McCoy there. It's, Alex Smith was hurt, so it's not really – when Haskins got drafted, it was Keenum and McCoy, which are not two quarterbacks that you can really learn from. It's like Josh with Peterman and McCarron, but the Bills fixed that in season by getting Barkley and Derek Anderson, both who have been around the league and for, for a while and have had starting experience. Haskins hasn't had that. So I think getting Cam Newton would help calm Haskins down. And then Cam reunites with his old head coach. And then the Redskins do some decent things this year. I also saw, let's back to the Patriots, I also saw Mel Kuyper had uh, Jacob Eason going to the New England Patriots at 23. Which, if you've been listening to reports as of late, the 23rd pick and the 22nd pick are up for bidding wars, pretty much, for Stephon Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. The Bills at 22, Patriots at 23. The Bills are likely going to draft a receiver at 23. So, or at 22. So looking at that, would it just be smart just to trade it to the Vikings to get Stephon Diggs? Which I don't know if a first-round draft pick would... You could probably get something less than that. Maybe a second-round pick. I don't know. It'd be an interesting get. I think they could get Stephon Diggs. There was talks of Stephon Diggs joining the Bills last year when he had his whole few rants throughout the season. There was a lot of talks in that. Patriots... I think are more likely to do this because they don't use first-round picks very often. In the 2018 draft, I was shocked when they used both of them in the first round. I thought they would trade at least one of them. They usually don't hold on to first-round picks. They trade them away and get other pieces. I think Stephon Diggs would help solidify that receiving core because he can. he's actually an outside receiver. They put, were putting Thielen, or um, not Thielen, Edelman outside. He's a slot guy. So allow... Digs to work outside, put Nikhil Harry, who would expect to develop next year, on the other side, and then Edelman in the middle, try to entice Brady to come back. That's what I would do if I'm the Patriots. If I'm being honest, I think that would work to help get them back, I guess, which everyone doesn't want to see, but could help them get back. But with Brady, with the reported, the Raiders are the only team that we have seen apparently about ready to offer a deal. We have numbers that we can look at, and we all like numbers. So we can nail down what they want to do. We're like, okay, two-year, $60 million contract. We know that they're thinking about offering it. So a lot of teams in the NFL right now are circling around Derek Carr, who's a very who's a talented quarterback, to say the least. And looking at the Raiders, is Tom Brady really a better option right now than Derek Carr is? Last year, Derek Carr was second in the league in completion percentage with 70% completion percentage. Is Tom Brady, at this point in his career, really better option for the Las Vegas Raiders than Derek Carr? Now, if over the Raiders, they're all about expanding their brand, so getting Tom Brady would help definitely expand that. But I don't know. It's just weird. I don't. Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. 
And then you're going to have to be drafting quarterback soon anyways, but you could draft one this year, I guess. Got two first-round picks as well, so you could probably move up in the draft. You wanted one of these quarterbacks. Trade Carr, get one of those other quarterbacks. Get like a Jordan Love or something. I don't know. Be interesting to see what the Raiders do, but a lot of Bears fans are clamoring to get Derek Carr. If, this is a big if, they the Raiders move on from Carr. The Bears, a lot of Bears fans on Twitter want Carr there and because they're comparing him looking at all the other Bears quarterbacks they've had. Now, if you look at Carr's statistics over his career in yards, touchdowns, quarterback rating, and yards per game, he would rank second, second, first, and first all-time in Bears history if he was on the Bears, which, which is not that hard to do because the Bears don't really have a great history of quarterbacks. Their best quarterback all time is Jay Cutler. So they don't have a great history of quarterbacks. Yeah, I know Jim McMahon got him to the Super Bowl, but he's not, as far as those other quarterbacks they've had, he's probably number two, but again, that's not saying a lot. They haven't had a great history of quarterbacks. Jim Harbaugh's up there for instance as well. Rex Grossman. like Derek Carr could, would be a really good get for the Bears, but that would signal the end of the Trubisky era, which Bears fans would want. But I don't know if the front office is ready for that yet. That's why I think Andy Dalton's the more realistic option for the Chicago Bears because Pace's career is riding off Trubisky. I think the Bears need to simplify their offense because I don't think Nagy – Nagy, I don't get Nagy, but that's just me. But I think they're going to stick with Trubisky for at least another year, do the whole Mariota thing with getting Andy Dalton in there, push Trubisky, and we'll see what happens. But if Brady does sign with the Raiders, I don't know where Carr would go. Like you got Indianapolis could do that as well. The Bears are going to be an option there. The Panthers might be an option, but I think the Panthers would rather just go out and get Teddy Bridgewater. But I don't know. I don't know where Carr would go if if they were to sign Brady. That's the difficult thing here. I think Brady should just go back to New England. If they do make the trade for Diggs, Brady should just go back to New England. Got the number one defense in the league. Now you got a, a actual good wide receiver. Draft a tight end as well in the second round. You, The Patriots are back to normal. Already got a good running game. Just be a check down dude. Be, that's what I would do. I wouldn't sign with the Raiders. My gut tells me Derek Carr stays with the Raiders and Tom Brady goes stays with the Patriots. That's what my gut's telling me. But... My gut's been wrong before. So we'll have to wait and see on how that goes. But I don't know. It's going to be a weird offseason. Breeze is back in the NFL, so Bridgewater's out of New Orleans, you would have guessed. Cam's going to be gone. Brady might be gone. Carr might be gone. Phillip Rivers is going to be on a new team. So it's just all going to be – it's just a weird offseason. It's going to be a very weird offseason. And the Bengals, speaking of Andy Dalton, they're going to have a new quarterback as well this season. And a lot of people expect it, fully expect it to be Joe Burrow. Number one overall pick, kid from Ohio, broke every single record in college football, won a national championship, then the whole nine yards. So everyone's expecting. But Steve Bartkowski, former Atlanta Falcons quarterback, former Des Moines, or Des Moines-born Steve Bartkowski, had this to say. They're Ohio guys. I might, I might have offended them by telling – telling them that if it's the Bengals, I think I'd pull an Eli Manning on that one. I said, you've got one chance to do that. That happened to John Elway. That happened. John Elway kind of set the tone, then the Mannings delved into it 
after Eli was picked by the Chargers. It's not the best organization. Yeah, we all know that. You know, times change. Things change. Atlanta wasn't a good organization until Arthur Blank bought them. It was a terrible organization. They didn't know the right hand from the left, to be honest. I know what it's like to be a bot- go to a bottom feeder team. I'd hate to have that happen, to be honest. They beat me up. I spent more time at the hospital recuperating from injuries in my first three years than I did throwing touchdowns. It was tough. Yeah, the Bengals are not a good franchise. That's been well documented throughout the history of the NFL. They were called the Bungles for crying out loud in the early point of their existence. Yeah, they've been to a Super Bowl, but a lot of teams have been to a Super Bowl. But yeah, I don't I can't see Burrow doing this. I can't picture it really. I don't really like the I think Burrow I don't think he would do that. I don't think he'd go, no, I don't want to play for the Bengals. Now he could and that enticed the Carolina Panthers to trade up and get him because Kyle Brady, as we said, former pass game coordinator of that LSU team that just won the Natty. So the Panthers could definitely trade up to get that. I can only really see maybe the Chargers do because I guess the Chargers really like Burrow as well. Panthers would be a nice fit for Burrow. He almost went to North Carolina, so got the Carolina connection there, got the coaching staff connection. So if he says he doesn't want to play for the Bengals – I would fully expect the Panthers to pounce all over that, pun intended. Get it? Pounce? Panther? Yeah, yeah, you get it. You guys are smart. That's what I think would happen if Burrow decided I don't want to play for the Bengals. Which, again, can't see it. Can't see him saying that. But if he does, that's what I would expect. And I got an update earlier today that said three quarterbacks will be taking the top five with trades happening. Which we, we kind of expected... With the Dolphins are going to trade up, the Chargers are going to trade up, the Panthers might trade up, the Colts might trade up. So we got a lot of teams that are looking for quarterbacks. And the Lions have been talked about taking Tua Tagovailoa at number three. Mel Kuyper put Tua Tagovailoa at the Detroit Lions' feet in his latest mock draft, which he released, I think, yesterday. But, ooh, geez, Tua and the Lions... I don't like that. That just doesn't flow off the tongue. Like, two in the Dolphins, I can picture that. Two in the Chargers, I can picture that. I cannot picture Tua in the Lions. It would make sense. Completely restart the organization, but where would Stafford go? Now, I know that's the last thing that I we should be thinking about right now is where Stafford's going to go, but that'd be an interesting one, to say the least. So, Lions at number three, an option there to stay there, but the Dolphins, with the Lions having interest in Tua... That would start the interest of let's trade with the Redskins, which comes into my mock trade with the Redskins and the Dolphins. Dolphins have the most picks out of the entire draft. They have 13 picks, and three of them are in the first round. That's enticing to a team like the Redskins, who have a lot of holes in their roster, not just at edge rusher. Edge rusher is a need, but they have a lot of other holes as well. They're losing their best offensive lineman. They gave up a ton of sacks. Dwayne Haskins was running for his life, and for someone that's not very mobile, it's not very good to be running for your life like that. So look for the Dolphins to possibly trade with the Redskins at the draft, because that'd be interesting. Daniel Snyder, what is it, conventionalism? It's not always his best trait. (laughs) He doesn't like to do things that way. He does it the Daniel Snyder way, so whatever you say, he's probably going to do the opposite. Uh, The Chargers are going to trade up. You would expect the Panthers trade up. The Raiders might trade up. If you get Brady, 
Panthers, the Raiders might trade up. They have two first-round draft picks, so look out for them as well. The Buccaneers might be one. The Colts might be one. They got a lot of picks. Chris Ballard's going to want to move up. And the Saints, maybe? That one's more of a reach than any of them, but the Saints might do it. You never know. You never know. But, yeah, it's going to be a crazy NFL offseason. We just, we're just getting started, essentially. This whole crazy offseason. We haven't had anyone sign yet. We just know Breeze is coming back. So now it's all predictions. It is been, it's going to be a crazy offseason. I am all for it. I am really looking forward to knowing where everybody's going to go and making more predictions as the offseason gets closer, as we get closer to draft time, the combine time. It's going to be a fun time. Just look, just look out for that. But that's all we got basically for the Logan Blackman show today. Before we sign off for today, uh, the MLB, some stuff about baseball, not including the Astros. The Cubs have pretty much announced Chris Bryant will be the leadoff man for the season. He had a meeting with David Ross this morning, and or last night, I can't remember which one, and they basically said, he told him, they were talking about his role, he will be the leadoff guy for the Chicago Cubs, which makes a lot of sense. It's been talked about before, but it's never actually happened. We've never seen it happen, but it makes a lot of sense. He's the best contact hitter on the Cubs, so it makes sense. And I'm just, I feel more comfortable with him there than anybody else on the roster. I would say that. I didn't think they'd actually do it, though, but it makes sense. It does make sense. So that means probably Baez will bat second, you would think. Maybe Rizzo bat second still, but Rizzo said he feels most comfortable in the third and fourth spot in the lineup. So we'll have to wait and see on how that situation sits out. But I'm cool with Chris Bryant being the leadoff guy. Again, it's been talked about in Cubs circles for a while now, but none of us have actually believed it would ever happen. But now it is ha- it is happening. And Nolan Arenado, a guy that's been talked about along with Chris Bryant with trade talks, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday who's a big-time Astro, or Astros, uh, Rockies fan. And he was like, yeah, they'll probably if they trade Arenado, will probably be closer to the trade deadline. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's the most likely thing that would happen. It would get closer to the trade deadline, and then they finally trade him. Be interesting for what? I fully expect the Cubs to continue making moves for him. Because if the Cubs get him, then they will be challenging the Dodgers for the World Series from the NL side. If they don't, they'll make the playoffs, but not really challenge for it, if that makes sense. They have a good core, but I don't know if it's challenging yet, if it's going to be able to challenge this year. Because we saw them not make the playoffs last year, so I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. I would expect Schwarber, Hap, other people like that get involved in this trade, move Bryant to the outfield, and then we move forward. It'll be a fun season. I'm excited for baseball. We're getting closer and closer and closer as we talk. And, yeah, MLB season's coming up. Draft's coming up for the NFL. College basketball's winding down. We're getting to a fun point of the year, even though there's no college or NFL football. We're making by. We're going by. We're lasting. We're doing good. We're doing good, guys. But that's all I've got for you today on the Logan Blackman Show. Have a good rest of your day. Remember, Manfred's a clown, and I will see you guys on Friday. Peace.